Success. How would you define it? How would you describe a successful person? I looked up the various forms of the word in the dictionary and discovered one popular line of definitions goes something like this. Success is the obtaining of what one desires. To succeed is to gain wealth or fame. To be successful is having a high degree of worldly prosperity. Some suggested synonyms or idioms from the thesaurus include to arrive, to get ahead, to go places, to make it in life. Now I've read that on average each of us is bombarded each and every day of our lives with over 300 advertisements trying to sell us on this particular definition of success. Whether television, radio, the newspaper, magazines, direct mail, billboards, the internet, or whatever other means, these ads seek to convince us that the person who commands the largest salary, lives in the biggest house, drives the nicest car, wears the latest fashions, climbs to the highest position, gains the greatest recognition, builds the biggest bank account, and accumulates the most things, is the person who is successful. But is that really... Success. No, not by God's standards. Not according to the Bible. We began 2017 with a lesson series, Stories That Changed the World, The Parables of Jesus. Jesus told 38 different parables in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in January and February, we studied nine of them. Together And now as 2017, believe it or not, is coming to a close, we're going to study three more. Parable. The Greek word is parabole. It comes from two words, para meaning alongside of, and balo which means to throw. You put it together, it means to throw alongside of. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words gives this explanation. It signifies a placing of one thing beside another with a view to comparison, the object of which is to set forth a spiritual lesson. In Matthew 13 and verse 3, it tells us that He, Jesus, told them many things in parables. In his teaching, Jesus often used parables, stories with metaphors and similes, to illustrate great spiritual truths. This morning, our Stories That Changed the World series brings us to Luke chapter 12 and the parable of the rich fool. Let's begin by looking at the Scripture together. And before we begin to work our way through today's text. Let's pause and ask God to speak to us clearly through His Word. Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we sit at Your feet. We are Your students today. You are the Master Teacher. And even as the crowd sat at Your feet when You first taught this parable this morning, we listen Not just to words, but to truth. 
Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that we would understand, and our hearts that we would receive the truth of your word today and plant it there, that it might produce the fruit in our lives that you desire it to do. Teach us now, we pray, in your precious name. Amen. Okay, follow along then as I read in the Bible. Luke chapter 12, we pick it up with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now these nine verses easily divide themselves into three sections. The setting in verses 13 through 15. The story in verses 16 through 20. And then the sense in verse 21. So let's begin with the setting. Why did Jesus tell this parable of the rich fool? Well, it was in response to what took place in verses 13 through 15. Look at them again with me. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now we need to understand that in the verses immediately preceding today's text, Jesus had been discussing some pretty deep spiritual truths. The mood leading up to verse 13 was pretty somber, pretty serious in nature. And then seemingly out of nowhere, this man blurts out, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Huh? It's as though this man had no clue what was going on. This question was in such stark contrast to anything and everything that Jesus had been discussing. It was so earthly, so material, and it most certainly betrayed where this man's heart was. Now, at first glance, it may seem that Jesus' reply in verse 14 was a little harsh. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? However, You've got to understand that Jewish law, Deuteronomy 21 verses 15 through 17 for example, was very clear and concise about the matter of inheritances. Simply put, the firstborn son was to receive a double portion 
That is two-thirds of the inheritance. And the remaining one-third was then to be divided equally among however many other sons the family may have had. And if there were any disputes whatsoever regarding the particular inheritance, that was a matter to be resolved by the Jewish scribes or the teachers of the law. And so Jesus sternly and correctly refused to become involved in this matter. And then Jesus shares a very important principle in verse 15. He says, watch out. Be on your guard. Now folks, whenever we see those kinds of words in Scripture, watch out, be on your guard, we ought to stop. We ought to perk up our ears. We ought to sit on the edge of our seats and we ought to say, okay, I need to listen carefully to what is about to follow. This is important. Jesus has something heavy, something weighty that He is about to say. Watch out. Be on your guard against what? Against all kinds of greed. Greed or covetousness can be defined as an inordinate desire for personal gain, an insatiable hunger for something that we don't have, an unquenchable thirst that always wants more than what we have right now. And notice that Jesus closes this warning against greed with a vital truth. He says life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, so that we'll catch the full impact of Jesus' words, look at how some different versions of the Bible translator paraphrase this truth. The New English Bible translates it, Even when a man has more than enough, his wealth does not give him life. Where did I go? (laughs) There it is. (laughs) J.B. Phillips, A man's life in no way depends upon the number of his possessions. Today's English version, a man's true life is not made up of the things he owns, no matter how rich he may be. The Living Bible, real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. The contemporary English version, owning a lot of things won't make your life safe. The message, life is not... Defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Herbert Lockyer sums it up this way. To think of life only in terms of things is foolish and fatal. Because life is not held together by material possessions, even if they are abundant, but by things spiritual and eternal. Now to illustrate this truth, Jesus shares a parable. Let's take a closer look then at the story. Pick it up with verse 16. Follow along in your Bible there. And He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. Let's just stop there for a moment. A rich man, an affluent farmer, had a bumper crop come in. Not knowing what to do with his abundance, he decided to expand his business operations. So he tore down his barns and he built bigger ones in order to store everything. Now, nothing's wrong with this. 
Up to this point in the story, we can't find a whole lot of fault with this man. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a bumper crop. There's nothing wrong, certainly, with having a lot. There was no indication, up to this point at least, that this man was in any way dishonest or unprincipled. But then we get to verse 19. And we catch a glimpse of his heart. Look at it with me. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And then we come to, I think, the two most important words in all of today's text. We should underline them, we should circle them, we should highlight them. If it's possible to put a little neon light that blinks off and on right beside them, then do that in your Bible. The two words at the beginning of verse 20, but God... Don't miss those words. But God. You see, that's the bottom line of this man's problem. He forgot God. But God. The only person he didn't forget is himself. (laughs) In fact, 11 times in verses 17 through 19, he uses one form or another of the words I or my. 11 times in three verses. And Right as he's thinking only of himself, verse 20 begins, But God. Oops. Notice then what God says to him in verse 20. You fool. Literally the word here means blind, empty-headed person who can't even see what's in plain sight. That's what the word means. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Double oops. Which leads us then to the sense. What's Jesus' point here? I mean, what's the moral of the story? It's found in verse 21. Look at it again. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. The bottom line is if we spend all of our time focused on the material things of this life, if we invest our energy and effort on the temporal things of this world, if we pursue only the horizontal during our years upon this earth, oops, we cannot ignore the spiritual. We cannot neglect the eternal. We cannot overlook the vertical. In Jesus' own words, watch out. Be on your guard. And we must heed Jesus' warning. That's the sense of this parable. Well, let's look at the Scripture. Now, what lessons can we learn from our study together? As we consider the parable of the rich fool, we need to learn from this guy's mistakes. I mean, this is one of those kinds of stories where Jesus holds up somebody who did it wrong and says, okay, learn from this person's mistakes so that you can avoid the same pitfalls yourself. I mean, we certainly do not want to be the kind of fool that this man was, do we? No. So what kind of a fool was he? First of all, he was an ungodly fool. An ungodly fool. Again, where was God in His plans? Notice verse 17 begins, He thought to Himself. (laughs) 
And verse 19 begins, I'll say to myself, One of the primary character flaws that made this man so foolish is that he never included God in his plans. He never sought God concerning the matters of his life. He only thought to himself. He only consulted with himself. He left God out of the equation. Now we need to understand just how foolish this kind of godliness, or godlessness I should say, really is. It fails to recognize two very important truths about God. Fill in the blanks there in your notes. First, it fails to recognize that God is the source of all. God is the source of all. All things originate with God. He's the creator of life. He is the benefactor of all blessings in life. Everything we have in life comes from Him. He is the source of it all. Which leads us then to the second important principle that's overlooked by this foolish godlessness. And that is that it fails to recognize that God is the judge of all. God is the judge of all. Because all things come from Him, all things belong to Him. We don't own it. It's not ours. As much as we may be tempted to say, look at this bumper crop that I myself made for myself. (laughs) If we do that, we've forgotten that He is the source and that He is the judge and that someday we will all stand before Him. We will be accountable to Him, the owner, for how we manage what He entrusted to our care. And whenever we ignore these two truths, God is the source and God is the judge, everything else in life is folly. The point is we must not forget God. He must be at the very center of who we are and what we do. So first, we must not be an ungodly fool. Number two, he was an unsharing fool. He was an unsharing fool. I mean, where were others in his plans? Not only did he forget God, but he also forgot everyone else. He was very selfish, as I already mentioned, his self-centeredness is seen, and how many times he speaks only of I or my. Eleven times in three verses. Not once does he show any concern for family, friends, neighbors, or anyone else who may be less fortunate than he was. He never gives any consideration to sharing his abundance with those who are in need. It never even seems to cross his mind. Don't miss this. It never even seems to cross his mind that the reason that he may have had this bumper crop in the first place was so that he would share it with others. There's not even a hint of sharing, of giving, of sacrificing for other people. Now friends, I'm confident that you and I don't want to be that foolish. I don't think any of us wants to be that selfish. We don't want our whole world to revolve around our self-centeredness. I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 mine, mine. I have more faith in us than that. I believe that you and I understand that part of what we have is meant to be given away. It is meant to be shared. The reason that God has blessed us is so that we can help others. So second, we must not be an unsharing fool. Number three, he was an unhappy fool. (laughs) This rich man was an unhappy 
fool. In fact, I can guarantee you that this man was unhappy. There was no real joy in this man's life. How do I know that to be true? Because of verse 15. Jesus says, life does not consist, don't miss that word, consist, literally, it's not held together. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now listen, if you don't remember anything else that I say this morning, please hear this. Greed, covetousness, is the one sin, the only sin that I know of, that never, ever satisfies. I mean, every other sin, let's be honest here, every other sin has a momentary pleasure for the flesh but not greed. Not covetousness. Why is that true? Because greed always wants more than it now has. And so it is never satisfied. The billionaire J. Paul Getty was once asked, so how much money will it take to make you happy? And he replied, one more dollar. Just one more dollar. You see, that's the way it is with greed. Covetousness is never ever satisfied. This sin always wants more. That's why money can never buy happiness. This is why things can never bring lasting joy. Folks, we need to learn to be content with what we now have. How sad to go through our entire lives always longing for the greener grass on the other side of the fence. To go through our entire lives always hoping that the dollar we just spent on the lottery ticket would be the winning ticket. To go through our entire lives always wishing we could climb that ladder one more step. Always wishing we could have a little bit bigger house. Always wishing we could drive a little nicer car. Always wishing we could wear a little nicer clothes. To go through our entire lives in misery, never enjoying the things we have because we're always longing after something we don't have. You see, that's covetousness. And that's the horrible nature of this sin. This is greed. Going through our entire lives having never enjoyed our lot in life. Having never been content with who we are and what we have. And I can think of nothing sadder than that. So third, we must not be an unhappy fool. Number four, he was an unwitting fool. He was an unwitting fool. Here is perhaps the most shocking thing about this rich man. He himself was totally unaware of his own folly. On the contrary, he thought he had it made. (laughs) He was pretty proud of his self-made success. Look at his little self-talk again in verse 19. He says to himself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, he thought he'd arrived. He thought that his future was secure, but he forgot something. You can't take it with you. Fortune is not forever. Fame is only fleeting. Let me ask you this question. What did this rich man leave behind? Everything. Say that, say that out loud with me. Everything. I just want to make sure we get that. <laughs> This guy left everything behind. 
All that he had worked for, all that he had built, all that he had made, he left it all behind. You've heard me say it before, but I will say it once again. Here is one thing that you will never ever see, and that is a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. I just want to be sure we understand that. <laughs> because we won't. In fact, we can't. Take it with us. Paul put it this way, 1 Timothy 6, verses 7 through 10. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. And sadly, I can say from 40-some years of pastoring, I've seen this happen far too many times over the years. People who get caught in the money trap, the success fantasy, and literally they have walked away from their faith. And the scary thing is that the greedy, covetous person is the last one to know that he or she has a problem. That's the cunning and crafty nature of the sin. Everyone else in our lives can see it even before we know that we are trapped in it. Watch out. Be on guard. So forth, we must not be an unwitting fool. And number five, he was an unprepared fool. An unprepared fool. Verse 20, I think, says it all. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Well, he prepared for himself. Do you notice that? It said that. God even said that. He prepared for this earthly Life. Everything was in order. He had all of his ducks lined up. His investment portfolio looked pretty doggone good. His retirement plans were coming together nicely. He was fully prepared for this life, but he forgot about the life to come. And he forgot the spiritual, the eternal. I mean, isn't that the gist really of verse 21? In fact, let's read this out loud together. Would you read it with me? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Paul stated it this way, 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So fifth, we must not be an unprepared fool. Stories that changed the world. This morning we studied the parable of this rich fool here in 
Luke chapter 12. My prayer is that we will never ever be deceived by foolish success. My hope is that we will never ever end up like this rich fool. We simply must heed Jesus' words here. Watch out. Be on your guard. May we never become an ungodly fool, an unsharing fool, an unhappy fool, an unwitting fool, or an unprepared fool. Now I found a little video clip of a modern day rich fool. Listen to what he says, but I have a feeling that underneath all that he's saying, he's really saying something different. Watch this with me. can't fail when we entrust our hearts and our lives to You. We don't have to be afraid of failing when we have surrendered and yielded ourselves to the One who deserves it all, and that's You. God, help us to see that it's not about this life. It's not about this world. Rescue us from the entrapment of greed and covetousness. Help us to understand success is not what this world says it is. Success is living for you. Putting you first in who we are and what we do. May we listen to Jesus' words this morning. May we watch out. May we be on guard against every form of greed and covetousness and idolatry. We're being bombarded every day of our lives with this lie And we say no to the enemy. Satan, we're not going to listen to you any longer. 
We're not going to buy into your lies. But we're going to give ourselves to the truth. The truth that Jesus teaches us here today. We want to be rich toward God. Teach us how to do so, I pray. In Jesus' name.